On today's edition of Bench Bros, the Washington Nationals take control of the World Series. Do the Clippers control the city of LA? A couple of trades in the NFL, and will the Badgers escape Columbus with a W? All that more on Bench Bros. Let's go! Welcome to this edition of the Bench Bro Sports Podcast. I'm glad you could join us today as you, we are a bunch of sports junkies debating about the hottest topics going around in the world of sports. I'm your host, Wesley Splane. Joining me today are Anthony Bertini and Brandon Farrell. Guys, what's happening? Guys, what is up? What's up, guys? What's up, guys? How you doing? Hey, yeah, how's it going? I got my uh, vocal cords stripped, but we're going to do it this way. I got my vocal cords stripped at coaching today. And now go, Chargers, go. And where's your uh, internship at? It's in uh, Eatontown. Damn. Boy, how to travel Eatontown? It's not bad, though. It's like, it's like, well, it's 30 minutes away, usually. But, dude, it's so worth it. It's so worth it. This guy yeah. is so, this guy is, like, such an, like, down to earth, like respectful guy. He, he has no ego, and he like produces like the best athletes in every single sport. He's just so knowledgeable, and like, like he who? does it for the right thing. Who's his top client? He, Steve. Quit, Steve. Quit, no, no, quit Nelson. Do you know who quit Nelson is? Yeah, the he's a freaking yeah. stuff at guard. Yeah, he's like is he best from guard. Jersey? Yeah, he went to RBC. He coached him. Oh. He literally coached him, yeah. He has pictures with him and everything. He He's, like, the best guard, like, in the league. Yeah, he's, he's only, like, a beast. second-year guy. He's 23 years old. He's, dude, he's nasty. Like, he is. He finishes all his blocks. He's he's a freak of nature. I don't know um, if you follow Indianapolis on Twitter, like the Colts, but they post, like, mic'd up sessions of him. Like, yeah, they do. Every single week, and he's just, like, freaking mauling dudes. It's funny yeah. to watch. Like he'll yeah, scream he, at a guy and then pancake him. Yeah, no, he's like he's like nasty. Like he's he's mean. Like he's he's a true American like offensive lineman. Like just big, nasty, strong son yeah. of a bitch who's gonna just maul you over every single play. Yeah, he, I want I wanted the Broncos to draft him at first, but then we got Bradley Chubb as like a consolation prize, and I'm like, all right, that's not too bad. Yeah, Quentin Olson is a big big boy. He also coached Cedric Lang, Rick Lovato. I think these are all like NFL players. Um, a couple other people too. Yeah, man. Speaking of monsters, the Washington Nationals are being absolute monsters in the World Series right now. They won Game One by five to four, but uh, Garrett Cole was beaten. It was the first time Garrett Cole has been beaten since May of one of um, what was it, the twenty six or something like that. Nationals got up on that one game one, and then in game two they absolutely killed the Astros, twelve to three, sweeping them in a back-to-back series in Houston. Now they play on Friday at uh, Washington D.C. for game three, and that's going to be very loud. But have you guys been watching the World Series lately? I mean, the the Nationals look like they are absolutely better team than the Astros. And the Astros, the best team in baseball. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it does. I've been definitely me. watching that. Yeah. It doesn't surprise me that they're doing so well, uh, seeing how easily they roll through the postseason. Um, you know, they're the Cinderella team this year, and I think it's theirs, theirs to take. Um, 
kind of happy the Yankees didn't get in because if they didn't lose to the to the to the Astros, they probably would have lost to the Nationals. So I think it's Washington's uh, World Series to take this year. Yeah, they're starting out too hot. I mean, to, this is the World Series. Baseball's baseball's like probably the hardest sport to win in, I think, because you can be up by four runs, and then out of nowhere, if you have bases loaded, somebody hits the ball over the fence, it's tied up right away, like in a matter of seconds. So um, it's hard. It's a very difficult sport. Um, you got to know when to when to uh, hit the ball, when when to you know, believe that's going to be a, a bad pitch and uh, you got to be good in the field. Can't make mistakes. And the nationals are just proving themselves to be the, the world series team. Yeah. I mean, it's shocking because the Houston Astros are like such a great team. Their bullpen has been blown it for them. Like their bullpen has allowed about, I say, what was it? Like 10 earned runs so far in the world series. That's way too much. I mean, you're starting pitching is holding it down. But you can't have your bullpen come in and just absolutely blow everything up. Like, the Astros' bullpen wasn't a problem coming in. It's a problem now. I mean, the Nationals have been doing their thing, and uh, their starting pitching has been okay. And the Astros have had, like, a lot of success hitting against their pitchers. But it's it's the Astros' bullpen that has been blowing it up for the Astros' chances. And to lose both games in Houston, now you got to win two in dc which that is going to be electric because dc when it comes to championships they go crazy i mean look at the capitals when uh they made their stanley cup run i mean it was absolutely wild so like it's going to be a hard challenge for the astros to pull off being down 2-0 in the series but i mean it could go to six or seven i wouldn't say it's done because you can't count out houston because houston's got so many great players along like in that lineup just to count them out, but yeah, it's really shocking right now. Yeah, I I can't I can't count Houston out. I mean, I know they're going on the road and they're going to a, a really energized stadium, but I you, you can't you just I mean they're they're such a talented ball club, and so is Washington. I I could see this going six games at least. Washington's yeah. very young, like they got a lot of players under twenty five. I can definitely see this going six, seven games, to be honest with you. I don't think that the, the Astros showed up to lose by, you know, to, to get swept or to lose even four to one in the series. Uh, they're, like you said, Brandon, great ball club. They play great baseball all around. They got a good pitching staff. Um, they got guys who can hit the ball. And, yeah, they're just doing – they're doing – they're a great team, but they're just not doing that well right now. But uh, more games to be played. Which is shocking kind of way that, like, Washington's gotten off to a good start because usually teams that, like, have a long-term arrest, like, they swept the Cardinals and were waiting a long time for the Astros and the Yankees to finish up. And normally when you go into the next series, your bats are, like, really cold. That wasn't a problem for the uh, Nationals at all. I mean, they were hit, getting hits left and right. So I'm, I'm very surprised about that. Uh, well, the way I see it, I mean, you've got to remember Washington's playing with a big chip on their shoulder. I mean, nobody believes. Ant, you all right over there? <laughs> yeah, why? I don't know. You're, <laughs> you're breathing. Kinda... <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> well, the boy had a lot of chocolate tonight. <laughs> you're like. <laughs> Hallucinating into the microphone, dude. I am not feeling good today. I went to this turnship and I'm like spotting people, and I'm like, 
Yeah, if the bar slams down your chest, that's because I'm not in the zone today. Just guy's bear with me. His, the guy's sitting at his table right now with his belt, <laughs> with his belt unbuckled with chocolate all over his face. Nah, it was all right. No, I just like not feeling good today, though. Honestly, I don't know. No days right. off, dude. Come on. Yeah, boy. Yeah. Squatted 175 for two reps. Too much weight, boy. All right, let me get through this without heavy breathing in the microphone. All right. <laughs> all right, go ahead. <laughs> I don't know if I can now. Well, the World Series is so intense. I mean, everyone's like breathing heavy. Your heart. Yeah. yeah. I can hear all the fans in it. I can hear Series fever. I can hear all the fans in Houston right now just right with me. <laughs> Darth Vader is a Houston Astros fan. I mean, look. no wonder. He, yeah, no he, wonder why. He very much is. Hey, you may think I'm struggling right now over the Dolphins season. That's why I'm breathing so hard. But <laughs> that just put anybody in a coma. <laughs> all right, final right. thoughts. Yeah, uh, like I was saying, um, they got. They got a big chip on their shoulder, and they've had a grind all season just to get where they are. Um, Houston's kind of just kind of – I mean, I'm not, I'm not taking any, any – I'm not discrediting them, but I think Washington wants it more, and they've grinded really hard for it all season. So, I mean, I, like I said, it's Washington's World Series to win. I'm surprised at the results right now. I thought Houston was going to be a way stronger team, just the way they have played last year as well. So they pretty much carried that over to this year. Clearly, if they're in the World Series and they're just not, they're just not playing well. The, the Washington, uh, the Nationals are just out hitting them. Um, I would say the same thing. Nationals are going to take this World Series, but I think it's going to be a close one. I think they'll definitely push out six or seven games, minimum yeah, and, six. Yeah, and I mean, record isn't everything. I mean, look at what oh, happened yeah. to the to the Dodgers and the Yankees. The two two of the best teams in baseball are out, and now Houston's struggling against the team that was very good all season, but I mean, obviously their record doesn't really show, show that like it did the Dodgers and the Yankees. Right. No, it's very true. Yeah. The record doesn't really mean much in the postseason. We all know about this. When it comes to every single postseason, you can just pretty much throw a record out the window, but they they have to go through a three game uh, stint at DC for games three, four and five. That's going to be very hard. I mean, they, both teams have gotten enough great starts in the first inning. I think the combined runs in the first inning is around like eight or nine for games one and two, which is pretty dang good for both teams. But Houston just needs to figure out their bullpen rotation. That's priority number one because their starting pitching has been pretty good. I mean, they've been getting out of scenarios when it comes to two outs with like some runners on base. They haven't gotten off to the start they wanted to in the game, but I feel like they'll be fine. I mean, the Nationals, how long can the juice hold up? I don't know because now you're not starting out with Schwerzer and Steven Strasburg. You're going with Sanchez and then um, Mark Sanchez. Pit. Yeah, but fumble Sanchez. <laughs> no, they got another pitcher in Sanchez. <coughs> I forget his first name, though. But possibly a bullpen game. Like games three and four are going to be big for the Nationals because if they go up three zero or three one, that is very huge and very tough for a team to get out. So. Biggest biggest thing with baseball is like, do you have solid pitching and can you hit the ball in the right time? Like, can you bat the runners in? Is a big that that's that's the thing that too. the Yankees struggled with a lot. Like they get bases loaded and then they would just like strike out. Like you got to execute. You have to. Yep. Yep, that's um, why the Yankees are not in the World Series. 
Yeah, it's just like baseball is one of those sports where you have to like execute perfectly on everything. Like you can't yeah. leave anything out. It's not like football or hockey or basketball where you make one mistake and then you can go back to it. Like that could be a do or die if you get everybody on base and you can't get any of your guys in. Yeah, we'll see. Games uh, four is on Saturday, I believe. Or game three is on Friday. Game four is on Saturday. And game five is on um, Sunday. So hopefully the Astros come back, make it a series. Uh, if not, congrats to the Nationals. I don't know. We'll be recording by the time that series is over anyway next week. Uh, a couple trades in the NFL before the trade deadline on next Tuesday. Uh, first today, Michael Bennett was traded to the Dallas Cowboys from the New England Patriots for a seventh-round pick. Michael Bennett has been uh, shipped around the league right now. He's in that kind of stage in his career where you go from team to team. Um, there were, he was suspended by the team for some personal reasons. I don't know why, but now he's on the Dallas Cowboys. Also, earlier in the week on Tuesday, the Patriots acquired Muhammad Sanu from the Falcons for a second-round pick. And then later that day, another wide receiver, Manuel Sanders, from the Denver Broncos was traded to the San Francisco 49ers for a third and a fourth-round pick. Out of all those trades, which one is the more impactful one, Brandon? The more impactful one? I mean, obviously, is Muhammad Sanu going to New England. I mean, New England doesn't miss a beat. If they're down somebody, they go and get somebody. And Mohamed Sanu is going to fill that void that uh, Josh Gordon is not is not going to be be in anymore. Yes. Yeah, I, yeah. Sanu has been like quiet because like he's played behind when he was in Cincinnati. He played behind AJ Green and he played behind Julio Jones when he went to the Falcons. So the New England needs a deep threat wide receiver. I mean, their wide receiving core is pretty much depleted. And you got Julian Edelman there. If Julian Edelman goes down with an ankle injury, that wide receiver core could have been toast. But yeah, now he's, with he's uh, Mohamed Sanu, that's pretty good. Yeah, he's been very underutilized in Atlanta. So I hope to see him get a lot more production in New England. Good arm, too. He can throw the football. Yeah, definitely Sanu. That's without doubt. Um, <laughs> when he was on the Falcons... Him and Julio Jones were like, you know, that defense really had to work when those two guys were out with, out looking to, out running routes trying to get that ball. Um, and obviously, like you guys said, Julio Jones stole a lot of spotlight, which is true because that is like the best receiver in the NFL for years. Um, but Sanu being under AJ Green and being under Julio Jones is a great learning experience for him to see how the real hardworking players get down to work and get it done. That's that work ethic that's going to carry over to any other team. And being on the New England Patriots, there's no doubt this guy's going to get success. If he could stay healthy, stay out of trouble, do the right thing, I think he'll be good to go in New England. Yeah, it's definitely a piece for New England, but they didn't really, like, I don't know. New England at least had, like, Julian Edelman. And then I think the subtraction of Chris Hogan kind of uh, ru ruined their, like, petition of having the deep threat down the field. So that's why they had Antonio Brown in for a little stint. And uh, Phil Dorsett is still there. But uh, he's not really a big, deep guy. If you need a jump ball, he's not that kind of player. But I would say the, mo the impactful one is Emmanuel Sanders going to the 49ers. Guys, the 49ers didn't even have a top receiver. 
Like their top receiver was um Godwin, was Dante right? Pettis. Pettis. Oh yeah, and then uh, was his name? Godwin. Uh, got Mar- Marquise Goodwin. Godwin. Goodwin. Marquise. No, Marquise Goodwin. Yeah. Yeah, he's but like really good. He has he's been battling injuries and like he's not oh, a yeah, typical number one receiver. Like you got George Kittle and this team runs the football like crazy. You throw Emmanuel Sanders in there. Emmanuel Sanders is a great receiver. He tore his Achilles last year, but he's come back really strong. Joe Flacco just could never throw him the football to save his life. So like you got Jimmy Garoppolo there with now a true number one receiver. That's a pretty big thing for the 49ers because their conference is pretty beat. When it comes to uh, competition in the playoffs, and right now they got a strong spot of getting to the playoffs and actually making a run. That that defensive line for them is filled with number one draft picks, and they are absolutely nasty. And they got a good defense, and you can't just like <clears throat> not utilize that defense with just like a poorest offense. <laughs> Yeah, you can't sleep on the 49ers this season, uh, the way they've been playing on both sides of the ball. I mean, they've been giving everybody trouble. You kind of wonder, like, you kind of wonder, like, where did this team come from? Because Jimmy Garoppolo was a starting quarterback last year as well. And, yeah, they got Nick Bozo. But, like, where did this team come from? They went last year. I'm pretty sure they were awful. And now because this Jimmy year, like, top his ACL. Yeah, top fifth. Like, second game of the season, he got hurt. Top 15, though, now. Like, that's pretty incredible. Yeah, they're just full of, like, draft picks and, like, you. With those young players around, you're able to give Jimmy G that uh, contract, like, as a quarterback. And you're able to go get an Emmanuel Sanders. And you're able to get a Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman has been balling. I I don't know if you guys have been seeing him, but, like, he's been shutting down like he has been in Seattle. Like he was in Seattle uh, a couple of years ago. That's that boy. It very much is. I mean, the 49ers have a strong shot, but like they got they had to get a weapon in order to compete with the New Orleans Saints and the Green Bay Packers. And um, there's another strong team, like Seattle, of course, in their own division. Even the NFC North teams, like Minnesota and Detroit, that could be. Vikings are one there. of the best teams. And, and the yeah. Carolina Panthers, too. Yeah. I think the best thing that happened to the Panthers was uh, Cam Newton getting hurt. Well, that could be an iffy thing. Like, um, let's talk about that because Cam Newton has been practicing. Patrick Mahomes was at practice after dislocating his kneecap. He was going through some individual drills. And Drew Brees has been going through uh, practice anticipating a return. Um, let's start with Drew Brees because, like, it has been speculated that he's actually going to play this week. But they play the Arizona Cardinals, then they have a bye. And Teddy Bridgewater has been undefeated ever since he got in. Do you go back to Drew Brees or do you stick with Teddy Bridgewater right now? I'm always the guy that wants to stick with the hot hand. Yeah. I mean, I know you're. I know it's Drew Brees, but Teddy Bridgewater has been balling out. So I stick with Teddy Bridgewater until something goes wrong. And then I throw Drew Brees in there. Yeah, I would too because, like, Drew Brees is, like, 40 years old and he's coming off a thumb injury. Let him rest. Let – Get him ready for November and December and January. Like, Teddy Bridgewater can hold the fort now. You're going against the Arizona Cardinals, then you got to buy. Just let him finish out. Yeah, there's no rush to get Breeze back in at all. No, and then I feel like with the, the same thing with Carolina. You go until Cam Newton is 100% healthy, till he's, like, fully ready to go, and then you can throw him out there. Like, 
Kyle Allen is not, you know, a difference maker like Cam is, but he's just been getting the job done. So until well, until he starts struggling, then you can throw a healthy Cam Newton in there. Well, my question is, how is Cam going to play healthy? I mean, he's he struggled healthy. I mean, there's no chemistry on that offense with him or his receivers, and I understand he doesn't really have a number one receiver, but I, I don't know, man. I just don't think Cam's heart is in the game anymore. Some players have it. Some players don't. Uh, Brady is – Tom Brady is not athletic. And a guy – What? Super, he's not an athletic <laughs> quarterback. He could throw a good ball, but he's not guy like – runs, guy runs 4-2-40, Ant. Are you kidding me? 4-2-40. No, like if you ask this guy to put a bench press, squat, or like uh, a dash or vertical leap. Like, he's not going to throw up numbers, so, like, that type of athleticism is not there, but he wins games, and, and some guys haven't, some guys just don't. I don't Cam know does have it. He's a former MVP. Like, no, no, he's no, I'm not talking about Cam. I'm using Tom Brady as an example of yeah. athleticism, but I'm just saying that, like, it's not all about being athletic, to, about winning games and being that, that player that teams need, not just quarterbacks. <sighs> But I don't know if Cam has the it factor in the NFL. I think he's too dynamic enough. And if, like, health has been his main concern, like, he's coming back from rotator cuff surgery on his throwing shoulder. That's that's a long injury to come back from, especially as a quarterback. Yeah. You, you got to know that, too, because, like, I had the same injury that he had. It takes... It takes you at least a year to get back just as, like, a player because you got to get used to that shoulder getting hit. You got to be used to, like, rotating it and putting oh, it. Oh, it's minimum. Right action. It's yeah, minim- it's- minimum a year depending on the damage that was done. Yeah. It, it's big, especially if you're a quarterback throwing a football. You got to relearn how to throw. Like, it took Andrew Luck two years to come back from that, and he came back and had a sensational year. Yeah. No, that is true. But I would rest Drew Brees. I would rest Cam Newton until Kyle Allen starts struggling and the and the Panthers need that it, like that big-time factor at quarterback. And then, um, you know, take it from there. Because the Saints and the Panthers are on a collision course. They finish out December facing each other twice, and that could be for the division. Yeah, I, I would say rest your starters. Um, ride the hot hand right now. No reason to rush these guys back. No, not at all. All right, let's jump to the NBA, which started this week. Uh, big basketball action throughout the league. Kyrie Irving made his debut in Brooklyn, dropping 50 points in a losing effort. They lost by one point in overtime to the Timberwolves. The Raptors took care of business against the, um, the New Orleans Pelicans without Zion on Banner Night on Wednesday. And then the battle for L.A., the Clippers and the Lakers. These are the two hyped-up teams, and they faced off against each other on Wednesday. The Lakers got off to a hot start, but then the Clippers came back and answered and took care of the victory with a 112-102. to Anthony Davis, LeBron James combined for two points in the fourth quarter. Brandon, have you watched any basketball? What are your takeaways from the first week? Yeah, I watched, I watched my Sixers beat up on the Celtics last night. Um, they look okay. Um, nothing special, but they, they look okay. I think they're going to have another good season. Um, I watched Zion in the preseason, so I did get to see him play. 
Um, he's only going to be out four to six weeks, so that's not a big deal for the Pelicans. Uh, they, they have a bunch of young guys on that team, so it's going to be a learning curve for them. Uh, they don't have much senior senior leadership. But, um, yeah, I said it before the season started in our previous podcast that the Clippers are going to be the better team this season. Um, I just I just think they have more talent than the Lakers do, and I think Kawhi and Paul George are more dynamic than Anthony Davis and LeBron James right now at, at their stages in their careers. So I, I don't know who's gonna who's I don't know who's gonna be the better team this season. It, it's a toss up. I mean, it was only the first game, but I I put my money on the Clippers. Yeah, they didn't even they didn't even have Paul George active for that game, and of course, well, the Lakers didn't have Kyle Kuzma, but. You could tell that the Clippers were a way better team because of the depth. Like, the Lakers, it's very top-heavy. Like, that starting five is pretty good. Like, they got off to a hot start, but once they went to their bench, the Clippers came rolling right back. And I think that's going to be a big thing for the Lakers is, you know, Danny Green looks like an awesome addition for them. Like, he was falling out in the first quarter. Yeah, it's a long season. And and just like in baseball or um, hockey, you need depth. Even football, if you want to be successful, you don't, you, you, you know, you can't spend all your money on two really good players and not have any depth on your bench. That's yeah. not going to get you anywhere. You know, you, you need, you absolutely need the depth because your starters can only play so many minutes and the guys on the bench need to carry the rest of the workload. Yeah. yeah you, I, well, go ahead, Ant. Yeah. No, pretty much the same. You need, you need talent and you need the will to win mindset from all different types of players, many. On the team, it's not just one. It's not just a couple. It's not high school football where you can give your ball to the running back and he can get yards. You need like everybody to be aligned and be in the game. Yeah, um, I I think the Lakers are going to be active when it comes to like trading for uh, bench assets because I think that's going to be the most exposed part throughout the first ten games. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a rust factor thing. Like it's the first game. They're going to eventually figure it out when it comes to like playing with, with LeBron and Anthony Davis and, uh, Danny Green in there. They're going to find chemistry. A lot of these like dynamic (laughs) duo pieces, uh, when it comes to NBA, it takes time for them to play together. And I feel like they'll be active to get more, uh, talent on their bench to be able to rotate and sit those guys and give them a breather. But um, I think I checked Kyrie out. Man, Kyrie was schooling people. Like, he was backyard balling. He was made for the Brooklyn area for, like, the NBA. He's, he was, like, on NBA Street trying to do that, um, that rollover crossover when you're on the ground and trying to cross up somebody. He tried that for the game-winning shot. Like, and he cooked up, like, five more people. That's that's Uncle Drew, man. He's got yeah. the best ball. He's got the best ball handling skills in the NBA. I don't care what you say. He's, he's a Jersey uh, guy too, man. Yeah, he's he's from um, I think he's from Jersey City actually. So yeah, he he's right at home, and I think he loves it, and I think he really enjoys playing in that. He arena, has that, that like atmosphere. street basketball mentality. Like I'm gonna come after you, and that's perfect for the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, I mean, I don't know who else the Nets really have on that team besides Kyrie and KD, and we know KD's not playing this season. DeAndre Jordan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough for Kyrie to carry the load. He didn't really have to do it in uh, Boston, but now he's going to until KD comes back. Yeah, and also, you uh, know, good performances by Luca and um, the Pony. 
Kristaps uh, Porzingis with the Mavericks. They put up 55 total points together. Like that's going to be a hell of a team to watch out for. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of exciting teams out there now with the with the duos. Utah, I I don't think Utah's Utah won against the Thunder. Poor Chris Paul, man. I wish he could have gotten out of Oklahoma City, but it is what it is. It's going to be very think, intense. Well, hey, man. I mean, you know, you make a trade. Sometimes you get the shit under the stick. You, you know, you still got to show up to work every day and do your job. Yeah, and I'm I'm curious to see how that uh, duo in Houston with Chris or not Chris, Chris Paul. <laughs> With James Harden and Russell Westbrook, I'm still anxious to see how those two guys are going to play together. But granted, think, it, it's the first month, so yeah, I I think it'll be interesting in crunch time. And uh, who's taking the shots? And will they bicker at each other if someone's not getting the ball? And you know they're missing shots at crunch time, and they're arguing over who should get the ball. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be interesting, but I mean. I can't see them being bad together out there. I think they're no, I should get the ball. doubles everywhere. I yeah. should get the ball. Well, no, you shouldn't. Steve should. Well, Steve should get the ball then. Well, first of all, you can't give a guy uh, that has heavy breathing problems the ball. <laughs> he, he sounds out of shape. Like, hey, yeah, I just said. I'm not, long I'm day. Not that, I'm not that bad, boys. Long day. He's may have a little bit of asthma going on, but I can still get the ball. He's on the Washington Nationals bandwagon, and he just can't contain himself. That's <laughs> the way she goes, boys. The way she goes. That's the way she goes, eh? Oh yeah, Well, the Knicks could very well use you. All right, let's go to the <laughs> NHL. <coughs> oh. After Ant coughs, well, let's. Go to the NHL, where not really much is going on besides teams playing their games, and we're about ten. Everyone's about ten games through the season. I know some teams haven't played as much as others, but right now the top five: the Buffalo Sabers lead the way with seventeen points. The Washington Capitals are right behind them with sixteen. At the number three spot is the Colorado Avalanche with fifteen points, along with the Edmonton Oilers at fifteen, and the Boston Bruins. Round out the top five at 14 points, along with the Vegas Golden Knights. So, Ant, have you been watching some hockey and, uh, you know, what's going on through the first 10 games? What are your takeaways? Boys, I have been MIA from the NHL world. Yes, wah, that is wah, correct. Wah. Um, you will learn, Wes, as a sport coach and strength conditioning, you really don't spend your time around the sport as much as you think you would. Um, in that sense, because you're around it so much that you kind of need a break. So I haven't been really watching much sports at all. Like right now, I got Shark Tank on, and uh, I know the the football game is on. Um, but I do know a little bit of what's going on in the league over there. So I will speak on my behalf. And Buffalo Sabres, you said, is in first place, bud, right? Yep. How about her? Oh, yeah. oh, so that's not a shock to me because what goes down must come up. What go what is already up must come back down. So it's a roller coaster. Um, then you got Jack Eichel, great team, starting to build back up. Washington, I'm surprised to see them in second place. Avalanche is hot, but they'll fall off. Same thing with Ed- Edmonton. Boston is a strong team still, and then Vegas right behind them. Where's Tampa um, Bay at? 
Tampa Bay this year is like in the middle almost. They only have eleven points. Season's early. Yeah, I was looking into getting tickets for a game, but they're they're pretty fucking expensive, even for like the third you, third tier. You should so go because Tempe Lightning Stadium is actually very cool. I heard like I one of the it. one of like the best one of the best like arenas I think honestly in the country. Yeah, I want to go at some point this year. Especially you Tampa's to, like, electric. Right yeah, you got. It's only like forty five minutes away from you, no less. That's really close. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you should honestly yeah. go just for the experience. Be sick. Yeah, I think the next game is like uh, like the Winnipeg Jets here in Tampa. That'd be cool, honestly, to go to a Tampa game. I see a bunch yeah. of people on my Instagram are like Lightning fans, and they, they always post stuff about Tampa Lightning. It looks awesome there. Yeah, I want um, to go. But yeah, Flyers are not doing that well, and Dallas isn't doing that well either. And same thing with New Jersey. Some of these good teams that just are not playing well. Rangers are in second to last place, so that makes me happy. Um, they haven't played a lot of games, though. <laughs> like, I think they've only played uh, seven so far. <laughs> that's seven? the low. Yeah, they, that's the lowest amongst everyone in the league. <laughs> yeah, that's well. Flyers too only played seven, so some teams are playing like eleven, uh, ten, eleven games. Yeah, and they've only played seven, which is I don't know why, but it is what it is. Um, yeah, I really have not been following much about the uh, the NHL as far as scoring, but I saw a big hit, Ryan Reeves hit. Um, Ryan Reeves like just leveled somebody on the Sharks, I think. It was a clean hit. It was a solid clean hit. But you can still see the physicality in the sport in hockey as they're trying to take, a, take out fighting and all those other types of things. But it's still becoming very, still a very physical game. Um, but it's still early, so we have to see. Yeah, I don't really care about. Um, I don't really care about standings until January. This is it's the same way with the NBA too. I feel like with the NBA and the NHL, you pay attention in January or around the All Star breaks. Yeah. It's and too then, early. Yeah, it's way too early to tell. I mean, the Los Angeles Lakers were um, like the two seed in the West at uh, Christmas. And it's like, wait, hold on. And then they had their whole debacle like we uh, talked about back in March. So, like, it, t- it takes a long season. It's a marathon, you know. Some of these teams like to get off of the sprint. Like, the Anaheim Ducks are known for that. Like, they get off to fast starts, and then they just die down. Say, well, like, look at the St. Louis Blues. They were the last team in the National Hockey League on January 2nd, and then they ended up winning the Cup. So, like really doesn't matter about standings. It's just, like, is your team doing well? Like, is the chemistry going well with the guys? Um, are they all rested? Is everyone healthy? Et cetera. I mean, this is going to sound very childish, but are they having fun? That You can tell the Blues locker room is, like, you can see the chemistry there. When I was watching the um, Donald Trump, when they brought them up to the White House, you could see that they look like a very well-put-together team, that they had the right weapons, the right pieces. Same thing when the Capitals won the Cup. Dude, they were living... That was probably the best celebration of hockey I've ever seen. They yep. had, like, the most <laughs> fun. Besides when the Bruins won the Cup and the Kings uh, back in, like, 2012. Like, these guys will literally party... After they win the Cup, they'll party with the Cup, like, 10 days straight. Like, literally. Like, 10 days straight, no rest. And then it'll be like, okay, this is enough. we got to stop. Boston's done that previously, and so has L.A. So, um... You could just tell, like, chemistry is everything in hockey. It's so big. You got to like your coach. 
and a coach has to like you. And then you just have to have the right pieces and truly enjoy being out there playing with the team, playing with the players you're playing with and the team you're playing for. And obviously you got to know the system, the tactics, and you got to be intelligent. But, uh, yeah, it's too early to say what's going to happen. So come January, February is when I'll really be turning my eyes to it. Yeah, that goes with every single sport. Yeah. Well, in the professionals, it's going all well. We're going to have the sport equinox on Sunday when all four professional sports are playing at the same time. That'll be cool with the NFL, MLB, NBA, and the NHL. Five the NASCAR. Sport... <laughs> no, nah, NASCAR would be done by then. Oh, yeah. Okay, <laughs> yeah. But, like, it's the sport equinox. But over in the college ranks, this is a big weekend for college football. You have the Wisconsin Badgers taking on the Ohio State Buckeyes. I know that's Ant's uh, most the watched game. Ohio State Buckeye. No, they lost that lawsuit. They lost that uh, court case, so it's the they're not the anymore. It's proven. It's a court case. They can't be called the anymore. And then uh, Auburn versus LSU. That's a big time SEC matchup. Then you got the um, Notre Dame Fighting Irish going on the road to Michigan and Ann Arbor. Uh, we talked about it on our college football podcast, but you can watch. Uh, with me and Ant, it's the CFP 100. Go ahead and check that out. But I want to get Brandon's takes on the college football. Uh, Brandon, will you see out of those matchups, and do you see an upset this week? Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, that's, uh, that's a good question, Wes. I don't know. <laughs> just, just cut this out because I'll be honest. I don't even watch college football anymore. Yeah. Well, we don't I can't going with Ohio State. I am going Ohio State Buckeyes. Um, like I said, it's either going to be a close game or a blowout. No in between. Oh yes, in between. Oh yes. I well, the more the more this is going on, I feel like this is going to be more of a blowout. I I just have a feeling. I know how Ohio State plays against Wisconsin. They've been there. They've done that too many times. And I just have a good feeling that Ohio State's probably going to win by at least twenty-one points. No. No way. 21? All right, boy. All right, boy. Dude, this, this quarterback, Jack Cohen, Cohen, is not that good. Like, they have to rely on, like, him they getting the ball to, to the receiving the squad way, or, the, the way or the, giving it to the running back. Well, the their way defense has to be really is, strong. It's a pro-style offense, so they don't really need the quarterback to be strong. They just need the running back to be able to get the ground game going, and he has been in Jonathan Taylor. But that boy defense, Chase Young, is just too strong. Well, they, Wisconsin, you can argue, has the best <laughs> offensive line. Don't you uh, be heavy breather. <laughs> uh, but uh, 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 Wisconsin has the best uh, offensive uh, line, and they can run with anybody, and they can run over Ant's puny little butt. <laughs> we'll have to see, boys. I'll just see what you get her out there on the field, eh? But hey, the one thing that, but hey, on serious note, the one thing the Ohio State does really good, and you can see this with Brian Day. Everything. I think Brian Day, no, they're not everything because they can't get away with like uh, taking dick pics. Everything. (laughs) So anyway, they do a great job at like doing a lot of misdirection in. their offensive play callings. Like Justin Fields is so dynamic enough to where you don't even know if it's a run or a pass when he's even has the football like past the line of scrimmage. 
Like the receivers yeah. have like a weird blocking scheme that where it yeah. looks like they're blocking. And it's a run play, but then they can scat out and it's a pass. Like they do a great job with, especially with the RPOs and um, Justin, the play calling with J.K. Hobbins. Yeah, if Justin Fields doesn't show up to this game, you can call it a win for Wisconsin because, like you just said, the same thing. It's like they'll send out four receivers. Like they'll have four wide, and then they'll all go deep, and there'll be no option. And then Justin Fields will just take the ball up the middle and gain like 15 yards off of it. And like he's not going to force anything. And it, and if there is a guy open, he's going to pass the ball. He's going to get it in there right on time. So he just has like great awareness that is just like very hard to coach. Yeah. The only way you can only way you can get that is through playing the game, playing competitively, and being very aware of like who you are and who is on the field and how the offense is running. So it's almost like a Wayne Gretzky kind of mindset where you're kind of predicting what's happening before it's actually being done. There's not many quarterbacks and players in the league that can actually do that. But then alongside of that, you have to be mentally aware of that and as well as you have to be physically up to the task and do so. And Mickey Marriott does a great job with the team at Ohio State for years. So they're getting – it's just like – it's just too much to handle. I have said this before. It's just too much to handle. I know they're ranked three. I don't care about rankings, but um, the same thing too. is like any team can win on any day. Any team can lose on any day. And I think Wisconsin was looking ahead um, last weekend when they lost to Illinois, and they can't afford another loss. Otherwise, they're pretty much national title hopes are over. So they're going to come out firing, and they're going to give John Jonathan Taylor the football. <coughs> and I said this beforehand. The way you beat Ohio State is you control the clock and you run the football. And Wisconsin does a great job at doing both of those things, and they play good defense. So, like, it'll be interesting because this is still Justin Fields' first year of starting as a quarterback. It'll be interesting to see if the defensive coordinator for Wisconsin can draw something up to throw them off when it comes to uh, looks. Like if it's going to look like man and they actually switch over to cover three or whatnot, or they go to cover six where it's like man on one side and um, you know cover two on the other. So it's going to be very interesting. The way to beat Ohio State is you have to have a high tempo game that wears down the defense, and you have to spread the ball over the whole field. Uh, receivers, running back, tight ends, middle of the field, outside the field, up the field, deep ball, short ball, you name it. That's but you have to way. control the clock, too. Like You, yeah, you, you have to control the clock. You, and you, you have, have to have score, a good run game. You have to score points, but you have to be strategic in, in the clock, too. Yeah, you have to control. You have to have possession. Have possession, right? So that's the way you're going to be able to beat Ohio State. Now, Ohio State, like I said, Justin Fields has to show up, and that defense has to be strong around the whole field. Yeah. There cannot be any mistakes with that with that uh, Ohio State defense. But like I said, it's a Big Ten game. It's a big. It's a big game, and they know that who they're playing this week. Their both teams are going to be prepared. It's just going to be who's going to be able to pull out in the third, fourth quarter. And with that being said, I'm going with Wisconsin to win the ball game. I'm going with Wisconsin. So we'll we'll totally see. I think it's going to be a lot closer than you think, Ant. Like a touchdown game on both sides. If Ohio State wins by a touchdown, I think it's going to be that close. But I we'll am gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with what I believe. I'm gonna go by at least twenty points. I Ohio think it's State crazy. by twenty. 
It's Big Ten football, man. This is the heart of the schedule, but I think uh, – Matt, no. I feel like you guys but, have this debate every time Ohio State plays. West, it, you see a five-point game, and you see a 30-20 point game. History. I respect <laughs> West's opinion, though, because that, that Wisconsin team is no joke. No joke on offense and no joke on defense. Um, they're probably one of the best defenses in – defenses – defenses in the league but after losing against Illinois regardless if they showed up or not um a loss is a loss at the end of the day college football is very competitive you can't lose games coming going into the season um especially against teams that aren't even ranked but uh yeah I'm going Ohio State by 20 just because I know I know how Ohio State plays against Wisconsin and if they've done it before they can do it again they'll find a way yeah, and the, the other intriguing match, matchup too that's kind of been getting the the um, headlines for different reasons is uh, Michigan and Notre Dame because Jim Harbaugh has been getting a lot of heat for this Michigan team kind of underperforming and people are saying he's kind of on the hot seat if he doesn't win this game against uh, Notre Dame coming into the big house. And Notre Dame is a top 10 ranked team, so I don't see why a loss would kind of like make Jim Harbaugh lose his job, but do you guys have any opinion? Is this the last time we'll see Jim Harbaugh as the head coach of the Michigan Wolverines or even this year? No, I don't think so. I I don't think so. I mean, he's not shit in the bed. He's just struggling this season. I mean, it's not like consistent seasons of him shitting the bed. I mean, he's just having a bad season and it's not fully his fault. Yeah. I think his time's up. I mean, go ahead, Wes. Yeah, he had the right to recruits that, um, you know, there was rumors of him getting NFL interviews, and he had the right to, like, the fellow recruits that were interested in going to Michigan that, like, don't believe the rumors. This is all BS and whatnot. So it's a very interesting situation, but go ahead, Ant. He does a great job recruiting. I'll give you that. That's a big that – is a, that is probably the biggest part of college football um, – on how to win games in the NCAA is recruit, 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 recruit the best players out of high school that are ready to play division one competitive football in all aspects, physical, mental, you name it. They have to be on top of it. Um, I'm working with a kid right now. that's going to Notre Dame to play tight end and he's in high school. And you can tell, you can tell, like you just look at them. They got the size, they got the attitude, they have the mindset, and it's pretty incredible to see that just in high school alone, the work ethic. Um, so I'll give him that. But personally, if you ask me, I hope he stays because he's doing a great job of making them suck. But um, <laughs> if they want to start winning games, I think it's time to move on. Like I said before, if, if it wasn't so competitive, the college football uh, environment, then I think he'd be okay. But when you're putting, when you put a ranking number next to a team, you see that they're ranked number 19. And and you know what I think about this ranking system because you know how I feel about the committee. I'm sure you guys feel the same. But when I see them ranked number 19, the last spot's 25. And it's just there's too many teams in front of them that shouldn't be in front of them. I mean, Florida's in there at 7. Utah's in there at 12. Wisconsin's in there at 13. I know it's just this year. Baylor's in there. SMU is in there. Cincinnati is even a better rank than them. They're not good. They're not. They're 6-1, and one, but they're not an overall good football team. Michigan, I, I hate to say it, is a powerhouse school. They should 
hold themselves up to that. And it all starts with coaching. It all starts with management, ownership, and it's just not happening. So there needs to be a re- <clears throat> excuse me, reevaluation after this year on what they're going to do with him if they want to be a powerhouse team and win a national championship. I mean, depends what your goals are. I guess some teams don't care to win national championships. I can tell you if it's Alabama, Ohio State, or Georgia, or Clemson, they're gonna win and they're gonna want to win a national championship, those teams. Yeah, I mean Michigan was kinda in the dumps before the Harbaugh era and after uh Bo um retired like Throughout 2000, I think it was like 2008 through 2015, like they've been in the slumps and like that program took a hit. But then Jim Harbaugh comes in and they, they haven't had like a, like nine wins or less season. Like they've been battling pretty good. It's just you're seeing Ohio State in their prime and Penn State in their prime. Like there's a lot of good competition going on in the Big Ten and Wisconsin in their prime. It, it's kind of hard to win those scenarios. Plus, like I heard a stat that like Michigan has only had like five winning se- eleven win seasons in their history, while Ohio State has had five within the Urban Meyer era. So like it's really hard to do that. Even though they have more champion national championships than Ohio State, they're held to a higher standard. But you got to give this man, like, time. Because, like, Ohio State is not going anywhere. Penn State's not going anywhere. There's just a lot of competition right now going on in the Big Ten. And it's kind of hard to win those games. But, like, best say at best. Like, they've been winning. I think Jim Harbaugh's getting a lot of interest, especially from the Dolphins. Like, I think that's a match made in heaven. I feel like the Dolphins are going to open up the checkbooks and be like, look, how much you want. (laughs) They're, pre- they're good just like every that. college coach they do that too, like to Nick Saban. Nick Saban made a player cry, and then he went back to Alabama. Yeah, like Nick Saban was denying the fact that like he was going to Bama when he was the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. He was like, "No, I'm not doing that." And then he went. Yeah, I agree with you, Wes, completely. I think that with it being so competitive, that it's hard to it's hard to sit there and say, um, you know. Like, okay, let's just ride it out. We're not doing that bad. We may be 5-2. and two. We're ranked number 19. We're at a college football playoff most likely. But let's just keep believing in this guy because it's Jim Harbaugh. And everyone's like, oh, my God, great coach, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, but, like, at the same day, when is enough, right? When is it, when is it enough to pull the trigger like what the Giants did with Eli Manning? At some point, you have to let go of that whole mentality of, like, oh, this player, this coach is so – well-known, so well-respected, and you have to start looking at statistics. Like, I'd rather keep keep Teddy Bridgewater in than Drew Brees as of right now with the way he's going. And Brandon, you said that too. You go with the guy that's hot. If you're not producing, unfortunately, it's a business, even in sports, and they have to cut their losses and, and move on. And I don't think that there's going to be um, any hope for Michigan with Jim Harborough unless they get some type of like leadership um, like program going on in there or something to get these guys right. Because if they're winning games, they're not winning by a lot. They struggled against Army. They lost to Wisconsin. They beat Rutgers, which I'm very surprised. No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> they barely beat Iowa. You know, they, they beat Illinois. They lost to Penn State. It's just, and now they got Notre Dame this week. It's, 
it's too competitive, man. It's too competitive. You got to either you can't sit back and wait in college football. You have to make moves now. You have to, you have to do it right away. And I think I think it's time for him to to move on. Brandon, any final thoughts? Yeah, it could go either way. Um, I mean, I would let him ride out the rest of the season. But I mean, if that decision's already made and you're ready to move on and get a new coach in there and see what he could do for the rest of the season. Uh, I mean, like you guys said, your playoff hopes are probably pretty much shot right now. So I just ride it out the rest of the season. But, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if he goes to an NFL team next year. Yeah, like, I don't, by any means, I don't think he should be not given a head coach job or even a coaching job. I believe every coach that's made up to this point is made up to this point for a reason. (coughs) I just think, like you guys said, that, you know, he should maybe look at different options as far as going to the NFL or going to a different team. Just trying to f- find somebody who's going to be a better fit for the players in this day and age. Well, if he gets if he gets fired, he'll he'll have a job without a doubt. He'll 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 have another head coaching job. Uh, we'll see. So, well, guys, that is all the time we have for today. We thank you for joining us. And if you have any suggestions or comments going forward, give us a comment. Leave us a message. Uh, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Bench Bros 2019. We keep you up to date on every headline throughout the week on those pages. We have the NFL Weekly Drive. We have the CFP 100. Make sure you go and check out those podcasts. We are ramping up. It's getting towards the end of the season for football, and it's an intense time of the year for those two seasons. So definitely want to tune in and get our uh, final thoughts on those uh, weeks. All right, so we're available on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Anchor. Make sure you type in Bench Bros and you'll be able to find all of our podcasts there. Again, thank you for listening. Brandon, last thoughts before Anthony goes trailer. Hasta la vista. Go ahead, boy. All right, boys. Well, you know NASCAR playoffs is in full effect. This week, we were in Martinsville. This is a 3 o'clock race Sunday. Defending champion Joe Logano. It's a 500-lap track, but it's definitely a short track for 500 laps. It's about a half a mile long. Um, defending champion, Joey Logano. So going, moving on to her standings, Kyle Busch at 4,046 points. Martin Truex Jr. at 4,042. Danny Hamlin rocked in third, uh, third place at 4,037. So it's tight still. Um, and then you got a couple of the other guys like Chase Elliott, Kevin Harvick, and then you drop down in ninth place, like way behind everybody else by a good almost 2,000 points. Brad Keselowski, William Byron, Clint Boyer, and all those types of guys. Um, so I'm rooting for my boy Martin Truex, obviously, Jersey guy. Um, but yeah, playoffs are full effect. Um, I'm did just you guys, into NASCAR for the fights. Did you guys see the fight between. Um, what is his name again? Cole, I think. Uh, God, who was it again? There's, there's two guys. Oh, uh, Tyler Riddick and and that guy Cole. Did you guys see the fight at Kansas? I don't know. Did you send it to me? It was, a, it was a tussle. It wasn't really. Well, a yeah, it was. It tussle. was like a wrestling match. But dude, you could see like how intense it gets like during these race, races in the playoffs, especially because. <laughs> it's do or die. You can race around a track for three hours and somebody hit you right behind you in your, in your rear fender there and go spinning around and then make you trailer and makes you pissed. They weren't wrestling. They were kissing. Dude, they were pissed off. They were like fucking making out. 
They were not happy. No, the one good. guy you don't want to mess with is uh, Kyle Bush because he's rowdy. Kyle Bush. Kyle Bush. Kyle Bush. As Trailer Bill goes to Kinkyville. Ooh. Ooh. Very nasty. All right, I have an upset for <laughs> I have an upset for the NFL this weekend. It's my upset pick. The Panthers will beat the 49ers this weekend and their winning streak. That's my upset. And then in college football, I don't really see any upsets, but I will go with Oklahoma State over Iowa State. I think that's pretty much my upset of the week. And then Wisconsin, obviously, too. I said I think Wisconsin will win that football game against Ohio State. All right, I almost explained. Thank you guys I have for listening. Dolphins go ahead, Patriots. boys. The Dolphins don't play the Patriots yet. They play the Pittsburgh Let's Steelers. Go. They play Pittsburgh Steelers on Monday night. That's going to be awful. Oh, Let's go, guys. Oh, I thank thank God I work Tuesday, so I can't stay up to watch it. Sorry. I want to see when Dolphins and Patriots play each other. Honestly, there uh, we did another Miami miracle. A Miami miracle. All right, thank you guys for listening. We are out of here. Catch us next week. See you later. It's Christmas in Miami. <laughs> <laughs>